Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. We all can't help but wonder what adventure lies just over the next ridge. A Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada will take you there. If you're taking on your adventure in a new 2024 Nissan Rogue, class-exclusive Google built-in is your always-updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the 2024 Nissan Rogue. Nissan's SUV has the capabilities to take you where you want to go. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. No surprise here, but you know I gotta have my devices when I travel. I would be lost without my smartphone. I use it for directions, to find things to do, and most importantly, where to eat. I rely on it as a digital music player to enhance my experience as I explore a new place. Oh, and sometimes I even use it to make calls and stuff. That's the kind of traveler I am. And if you travel, you know what kind you are, too. That's why you go with the Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I'm the tech editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting next to me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. I have the swine flu. Actually, yes. Yes, he does. Yeah, that's... Uh, I, I'm, I'm beyond the contagious stage, but if you the guys think I sound a little weird, or maybe even sounded weird in past episodes, because the episodes we recorded last week, I was already coming down with it. That's why. And uh, I can report that it kind of is awful. It's very much like the flu. It is, um, except that apparently I now also have the uh, uncontrollable urge to lick pigs. <laughs> All right. So I'm let's, not, uh, and that of course leads I'm not going directly. To touch that. Yes, I was about to say, it leads directly into our topic. Um, now, I don't have a listener mail for this specifically. We did have a request <laughs> for this topic, and it was from a listener. Oh, okay. And it did arrive in mail. But our listener, Thomas, sent in several requests for uh, different tech stuff podcast episodes, right? Right. Like he, he had about five or six different uh, list, uh, t- topics listed. And so we're just going to tackle one of those today. 
And that one is touch screens. Yay. And of course, touch screens are becoming more and more uh, ubiquitous, ever present, all over the place. Yep. Uh, because of things like smartphones. You got a lot of cell phones out there that now have touch screens. Um, you've got things like the iPod touch. Yep. And Zoom ebook HD. readers. Sony has an ebook reader now. Right. That has a touch screen. Yep. Um, so yeah, there are a lot of them Nintendo out there. DS. And of course, then they're always the other ones that have been around for ages. ATMs. ATMs. Yeah. Good example. Vending machines. Or, um, yeah. Vending machines. Uh, I, I always think back to, uh, Epcot. The old days of Epcot where they would have a computer screen and you could walk up to it and, and touch the computer screen and, uh, and, and pull up information about the park and about, you know, the different aspects of the park and make reservations. And this was back in the early eighties, you know, when Epcot first opened. And, uh, and back then a touch screen seemed like frickin' science fiction to me. Yeah. It yeah. was, it was pretty amazing because you didn't have to have like any sort of keyboard to get it. And in fact, that was, that was even before computer mouse had become really a commonplace item. Yeah. You know, uh, some of those early touch screens, at least the ones that I used were sort of like touch, 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 touch screens, punch, punch, cry, mop up blood. Yes. Those were the, uh, stupid thing doesn't work. Yeah. The, the, the technology has improved somewhat. No, it has considerably. Now there are different touch screen technologies that, uh, that are commonly used today. The the two most common when it comes to things like portable electronic devices, so things like MP3 players or, or smartphones or whatever, would be resistive screens and capacitive screens. Yes, yes. All right, so let's talk about the differences between these two systems since these are the most common that you'll find out there. Okay. Uh, a resistive screen or resistive system it consists of several layers of screens. It's like an onion of screens. Yes. And the way that this system works is when you press upon the screen, you compress these different layers together. And when they touch, it creates an electric circuit. Right. Normally there are spacers that keep the two the, the layers apart. Right. If those spacers were to be damaged and, and the, the, spa- the screen were to permanently be fused together, you would lose your resistive uh, uh, capabilities. It would it would constantly be detecting a specific point of pressure somewhere on the screen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So those the spacers are very important. Because basically where you're touching it, it, it uh, the computer is able to tell uh, basically the coordinates right. of where you're touching and then you know, maps that up to what's being displayed on the screen and that's how it knows what you're touching and when. Right. So there's a processor that is um, – it's – receiving this information uh, mm-hmm. based upon where the the different layers of the screen are touching and that way it can it can give the correct response so for example if you have a phone that has a resistive screen touch screen uh, and you're pushing the um the call feature mm-hmm. then it's going to map out the location of the touch send that information to the processor the processor says hey when this particular area on the screen is touched, that means that this action must be performed and your phone makes a call. And this all happens very, very quickly. The ankle bone is connected to the foot bone. Something like that. <laughs> and old resistive screens had a, a few big disadvantages, really, compared to the other type, the capacitive screen. Do tell. Um, one of those was that the, uh, the, the different layers would somewhat obscure the light coming from the screen. 
So you would only get a certain percentage of the light coming out of the screen that you would get if the if the screen were completely you know clear or transparent. Um, yeah. The layers had to be really thin. Yes. In order for this to work properly. Right, and some of them could uh, the, some of them could detect things like the amount of pressure that you used, and really the amount of pressure was coming from not how hard you were pushing, but how much surface area of your finger or other whatever it was, was in contact with the screen. Um, and that could give it an indication of how hard you were pushing, because the harder you push, the more of your finger is going to be against the screen. Um, so uh, that whole punching thing, not really effective? No, that would be a bad idea. It's okay. pretty much a guarantee that you're going to break your resistive or any other <laughs> touch screen. Um, the, the other disadvantage was that early resistive screens couldn't do multi-touch. Hmm. Um, it, they, they were not capable of, of accepting two different points of contact at the same time and could not interpret that as a, uh, you know, a, a legitimate command. Right. Now, of course, we've got a lot of devices out there that support multi-touch now, and most of those are using capacitive screens. However, I can report mm-hmm. it is possible to create a resistive touch screen that supports multi-touch. You have to create a system that specifically supports this. You know, it's not just like any resistive screen could do this with a firmware update. Mm-hmm. You'd actually have to go through the manufacturing process. But Engadget has a video on their site of a uh, a pretty cool device um is really was a concept uh, uh prototype where uh it's a resistive screen it could detect pressure and it is uh it could detect multi touch one of the advantages of the resistive system to the capacitive system is that you don't have to you can use pretty much anything to mm-hmm. contact the screen and and give a command. So it doesn't have to be your finger. It could be a stylus. Right. It could be anything because – Or a dog. It could be a dog. Yes. It, it could be a rock. It could be some Play-Doh. Um, it really doesn't matter because as long as it is able to make that pressure against the screen, that's going to count as a uh, an input. Now, capacitive screens are different. Now, they they actually have a layer that stores an electrical charge in them. That would be the uh, capacitance layer? Yes, thus the name. Kind of yeah. makes sense now, doesn't it? Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, the capacitive layer is, uh, you know, storing electrons. Right. So it's storing these electrons right there on the screen. When your finger comes in contact with the screen, this actually ends up transferring the charge to you. So mm-hmm. technically, you are kind of getting a very mild shock. I find that revolting. Uh, do you? I thought yes. you'd get a charge out of it. <laughs> we can do this all day, Palette. Oh, I know. And, and our listeners uh, are – We'll depart kinda, like lightning. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Oh, that was it's, especially Well, it's nice. a shocking kind of experience as to, have as to you, listen to this. As long as you stay current. Oh. But, you know, I could tell that <laughs> oh. my iPod Touch has I'm, a capacitance screen because I'm stopping. I'm points. hurting. Oh, go ahead. Um, because – you know, sitting out and waiting for the bus or the train to bring me to work here in the morning in the wintertime and having gloves on, you can't change, you know, the volume on your iPod because, you know, my bare skin, you know, the gloves won't right, they transfer aren't the charge. They don't, so. they don't, they won't pick up the charge like your skin would. Yes. Um, Which actually, is irritating when your hands are cold. If you are... But otherwise, if you if you are outside on a really cold, dry day, you might have problems getting that capacitive screen to work at all. Uh, capacitive screens work best when there's at least a little bit of humidity to help mm-hmm. conduct that electricity. Well, it's a good so thing we're in the south. Right. Yeah. But if it were a really cold, dry day, uh, you might 
find that your touchscreen is not very responsive. It's not necessarily because your phone is cold. It may be because you don't have the moisture on your finger that helps create that that electrical uh, uh, connection. And um, well, see, that's good because I like licking my iPod, so that explains why it always works pretty well. Also explains why I have the swine flu. <laughs> so anyway, the uh, capacitive screens actually do support multi-touch if you create the right hardware and software around it. Right. They don't automatically – it's not like magically supports it. You have to build the system around it. Um, and of course, if you were to build the system around it, you could very possibly uh, engender the wrath of Apple because they patented it. They Ooh. patented multi-touch for, uh, for mobile devices. That was really smart of them. It, it's also incredibly mean because well, the Android operating yes. system – actually supports multi-touch, but it is not um, enabled in any Android device that I know of. Specifically, I assume... I, because I they say, haven't licensed the patent? I should, Yeah, I should assume it's because of this patent. And if, if the phones were to support multi-touch, then it could very well be... Even if it's not directly in um, violation of the patent, I'm sure that an argument could be made, and then you've got a costly legal battle... So that would be why the iPhone is this great multi-touch uh, device and most other devices don't support multi-touch in the same way. Yes. Um, some of you may be yelling, hey, what about the Microsoft Surface? We'll get to that. It's a, it's a totally different animal. But the capacitive system, so it, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it detects this electrical uh, connection and that it's in a way does the same sort of thing as the resistive screen in the sense that it – finds out, you know, it says where the, the connection happens on the screen. It maps that to a specific command, and then the processor executes that command. So the big difference between the two systems is how it uh, how the electrical connection is made. Yeah. Basically, the one, once the, the uh, circuit, or, you know, is, is completed, right. and a, an electrical connection is made, the computer on the other end figures out where it is and what it's supposed to be doing at that point. Right. And, and again, with capacitive screens, you would have to use something like a finger or, mm -hmm. you know, your nose or, you know, something that could create, uh, could accept this charge from the screen. You couldn't use something that was, uh, passive like a, a stylus or the rock aforementioned <laughs> rock. Right. You could possibly use a dog depending on what part of the dog was touching. The screen. Yeah, yeah. You know, like That's paws true. or nose or something. Yes. But, uh. With nose, you have a different problem altogether. Of course. Well, yeah. Well, at least some of us can leave a lot of humidity. finger smudges already. So, um, but yeah, if you wanted to use a stylus with a capacitive screen, you would have to have a stylus that had an active point on it that mm -hmm. could accept that charge. Otherwise, uh, you, you wouldn't get anything out of it. Right. So that actually makes me wonder what the Microsoft Courier tablet, the prototype that we, we, we've seen a video that was more or less an animation of this prototype tablet that Microsoft is coming out with. It's got two screens and it has a touch screen interface and it shows people flicking through with their, well, it shows an animation of a finger flicking through pages, um, and it also shows an animation of a, like a stylus writing on a page. So I kind of wonder what kind of touchscreen technology it's planning on using. If, if they're using going to use resistive or they're going to use capacitive, mm -hmm. um, there is another choice, but you don't see it that often in in smaller devices. It's the the Surface Acoustic Wave system. Really. Yeah. Now, this is something that you would see in, in more often in things like ATMs and, and uh, 
bigger displays. Uh, but what this uses is a couple of transducers, and they are placed along the X and Y axes of the glass plate of the monitor. Mm-hmm. And whenever it, it sends an electrical signal, uh, one transducer sends it to another transducer, and there are reflectors on there to kind of reflect the signal from one to the other. When something makes contact with the screen, it disturbs that electrical wave. Mm-hmm. And by measuring the disturbance, the touchscreen knows where uh, it was touched. The, when I say knows, of course, we're talking about a processor that it, right. that, that, uh, yeah, the screen itself this. is sort of passive. Yeah. This. The screen itself does not know. Um, it's not magic and it doesn't, it's not sentient. Once right. it, once touch screens become sentient, sexual harassment lawsuits will go through the roof <laughs> because of inappropriate touch nice. screen interface. Nice. Now, let's, we'll see if that stays in. The, uh, uh. <laughs> so <laughs> at any rate, at any rate, the, the surface acoustic wave system, uh, is not often now. For one thing, the equipment that you need in order to make this thing work is kind of um, big. Yes, wouldn't really be easy to miniaturize this into a a mobile like into a format a MP3 player. Right. So you wouldn't want to try and use this kind of technology in your in your general mobile device because it would make it right. too fat, too heavy. Um, and of course, we all want sleek and stylish. Uh, I know I do. Well, I mean, you know, the iPod pretty much proves that the the sleek and stylish approach is uh, is really popular. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a good product anyway, but I think that the style is definitely a, a, a large contributing factor to the the popularity of the iPod line. So, at any rate, uh, capacitive and resistive—that's the two that you're going to see the most often in your uh, in your average mobile devices. Um, the iPhone uses a capacitive screen. Mm-hmm. And like we said before, it actually can detect multi-touch. So that means that you can use gestures uh, instead of just touching to give commands. Things like pinching. You know, like if you pinch. Like Ow! If, no, not, I'm not actually pinching Paulette. I want to make that clear. I've already made one <laughs> sexual harassment joke. Uh. <clears throat> I, am not, I am not even within pinching range of Paulette. Um, he has barricaded himself in the corner and he's perfectly safe. I got my blankie. Yes, he does have his blankie. No, but uh, but you know, like like when you wanna when you wanna squish or enlarge a photo right. by doing various pinching motions, or if you're panning or whatever, mm-hmm. these are gestures. Right. Okay. But so these are commands that your phone should or MP3 player or whatever mm-hmm. should be able to recognize as a very general command, as opposed to open up this application. I want to use it. It's more of a you know I'm I'm. Manipulating something, rotating a picture, or you know, uh, scrolling from one screen screen to another, that kind of thing. And um, I mean, regular touch screens can identify some gestures as well. It's just multi-touch can identify more complex gestures. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's pretty much the the basis there. I mean, the the both kinds of display or both kind of touch screens are fairly accurate if mm-hmm. they're done well. Right. The execution has to be there, but there's nothing about either uh, either technology that makes one far more accurate than the other. Mm -hmm. Um, They're both challenging to do well. But if you do, uh, you know, if you do the the good work, then either one should be more than accurate enough for the average user. Um, The resistive screens are much cheaper Mm -hmm. than capacitive screens. Yeah. 
um, Capacitive seems to have the probably more support among the technology savvy crowd. They they seem to like the capacitive screens more, probably because of things like the the old resistive screens were harder to, you know, it was harder to see the images. They were scratch. They weren't scratch proof. They, they could get scratched pretty easily because the screens had to be you know, soft enough for you to press them in a little bit. Right. Um, but if you're concerned with manufacturing a device that's going to be uh, an inexpensive one for your customers, then the resistive screen is a more attractive approach because it's less expensive for those components. Right. If right. you're doing a premium product, capacitive is probably the way to go. Yeah. Well, it seems like you know over the past few years with the ubiquitousness of these devices, it's, you know, it's harder to find the implementation done poorly. It seems that, that more and more people are getting it right, which is what's making, you know, applications for these devices more and more common. And a, a lot of the, the problems with touchscreens have more to do with the underlying operating system than the technology of the screens themselves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So like older operating systems for smartphones are tend, tend to have a little more trouble with touch screens than the more recent ones. You mm -hmm. might have an older phone that's running an older version of windows mobile, for example, that, uh, is, is not as responsive as newer versions. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Microsoft's philosophy right now is from now on going forward, smartphones running running Windows Mobile will have resistive screens. Mm -hmm. Smartphones that will run the Windows Mobile or the Windows 7 modifi modified uh, right. operating system for mobile devices will have multi-touch and will be capacitive screens. Right. So that's kind of interesting. that They've actually developed two different strategies uh, that, and each one focuses on a specific technology. Well, it makes sense that they, they would try to keep the cost down by using a resistive screen in a, you know, more consumer device and yeah. higher end screens. Yeah. It's, it's actually a pretty clever approach, I think. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. The only thing I could think of that might cost them more money down the road is by having the complexity of having another system in another device. And it's another thing they have to tool up for and another thing they have to support. Yeah. Well, they've also got <clears throat> issues with their, their Windows mobile store and. There, there are a lot of things. What? That, there are issues? There are a lot of things there Microsoft has to any, look at. Yeah. Never any issues with technology. I was going to mention also that uh, Research in Motion, also known as RIM, RIS, yes, the, the company behind BlackBerry, mm -hmm. they filed a patent in January 2008 for a hybrid resistive capacitive screen. Hmm. It would have both resistive and capacitive layers. I tried reading this patent to figure out how it would work for this podcast, and I think I would need another three or four days to really get through it to understand it. Um, I I can't even pretend to go into the science behind it because so, so part of it is written in Martian. <clears throat> well, it's written in patent ease. And uh, patent okay, so ease it's a, a, a level of difficulty above Martian. It's slightly more difficult than Martian. Um, and then I said we were going to talk about the Microsoft <laughs> Surface. So oh yes, talk that's about right. That very quickly. So the surface It is, doesn't use a capacitive or resistive scheme, does it? No, it does, does it? not. It does not. It is uh, – if you don't know what it is, it is a table-like device. It has a monitor on the top of it. So uh, you would sit down at one of these things. And it has a uh, a big screen that you can touch and manipulate things on the screen. You can have images there. You can play games and it can detect dozens of different touch points. 
So it's not just, you know, two finger touching. You could have a game where five people are sitting around this table and are playing a little pinball game or whatever. And each one's controlling a set of flippers, Cool, you know, or tons of other different applications. It does not use capacitive or resistive touchscreens. Instead, it uses cameras and an image recognition uh, software that is in the infrared spectrum. So these cameras are pointing up from inside the um, the device. They're pointing up at the screen, the screen surface, and they detect the points of contact and then send that information to the processor, which then uh, you know translates it into a command. The neat thing about this is you can use multiple objects on the surface and and automatically transmit commands. So let's say that you have a an MP3 player that can wirelessly sync with a computing device. So let's say you've got a, a Microsoft Zune. Okay. And you lay this down on the surface. Right. The surface, the surface of the surface. The surface of the surface. Yes, you <laughs> could lay it on the screen of the surface. And you could sync your device with the surface automatically just by laying it on the screen because it would detect the the shape and size of that say hey you know what that is that's a zune uh and it, it just automatically has the command that when that device is placed on there it'll sync that's very cool yeah so there are a lot of interesting <clears throat> swine flu interesting um uh applications for this device mm-hmm. so anyway that was uh one thing i wanted to bring up cuz technically that's not even if you think of it as a as, Touch screens. It's not really a touch screen. It's really all because of the camera. And yeah. You had a similar device you wanted to mention briefly, right? Well, yeah, because, uh, you know, as we were talking beforehand, I started thinking about other devices like that. Um, and, uh, one of the ones that, uh, our friends at Stuff from the B side, uh, recorded and actually, uh, John Fuller wrote about the, uh, React table. Yes. Which, uh, uses a series of acrylic shapes on a, a, a Microsoft surface like surface, um, mm. to, uh, control music. And I started thinking about how that worked. And you said, uh, basically it's the same, you know, a similar situation. You have cameras underneath the table. Right. And I remember from editing that, that yes, it's got, um, it's got a screen on which the uh, shapes sit and it's, you know, the, the camera is tracking where those, those different pieces are. And it says, okay, well, this is a, this is a circle. I know, um, you know, when it's a circle, it controls the beat. If the, you know, if it's a square, it does this. So that's, uh, that's yeah. Very so depending cool. on the, the position of those and the position and configuration right. of those different objects, it'll create a different set of sounds. Yep. And you can rotate things and it, you know, it it'll knows because it's it, the, right. the shape and the position of the, the, uh, implement that it, has to do a certain thing. Yeah, I've seen similar applications which would do things like even incorporate stuff like colors. So you mm-hmm. might have a uh, one circle that's blue and one circle that's red, and it actually translates to two different commands. So you could have multiple circles on the same sort of surface, and and it would, yeah. You know, again, mostly it's it tends to be things for like music, performance art. I think Bjork uh, toured with one of these. Yeah, she did. Yeah. So um, uh, the thing you know. is, my question is, if you you know, have an instrument that's using, you know, reds and yellows. Can it help you play the blues? Let's move on. Okay. I'm glad that we have exhausted touchscreen, or at least I'm exhausted. <laughs> uh, but then again, I've got a oh, swine flu. So. Yes. I mean, my uh, puns aren't helping, I'm sure. Let's move on to a little listener mail. This listener mail comes from Chase, and uh, Chase is an Oregonian living in Osaka, Japan. Wow. He's also very verbose. 
Chase, I loved your email, and I responded to Chase already, so I'm going to have to sort of summarize Chase's email here. Sounds good. Um, but he said that he had an, he has an iPod Touch, and he got an application called Anti-Young Free, mm-hmm. which emits a sound that only young people or people who took very good care of their ears can hear. Because I work at a high school, so I decided to test it out in a class of 15 to 16-year-olds. I got them all to stand up and then pushed the button to turn the sound on and told everyone to sit down if they could hear something. To my surprise, eight of the 40 students remained standing and mystified. According to the descriptions for this app, people who sh- people should be able to hear it until they are around 20 to 30 years old. I am 25 years old and cannot hear it, but my wife, who is 24, freaked out when I turned the sound on. That aside, I also discovered a number of other apps to do things like repel mosquitoes or act as dog whistles. And he wanted to know, one, how does it work? And two, is it doing any damage to his speakers? Let's take the second one first. Most speakers can emit sounds that are well beyond the range of human hearing. And so they're per- perfectly capable of doing this. Nothing bad is going to happen um, you know, on its own because that's what speakers do. They're capable of emitting these sounds. It's not, not like it's suddenly ripping itself apart. Right. But the first part about how does it work? Well, humans can hear in a range of, of sound frequencies that uh, it's between about 20 hertz and 20,000 hertz, give or take a few thousand. All depends on who you ask, really. But 20 to 20,000. Whether you're male or female. And of course, as we get older, we start to lose the capability of hearing that complete range. What? And in general, we lose the, the upper ranges first. And so if you are in your late 20s, early 30s, you may only be able to hear up to 14,000 hertz or 16,000 hertz or 16 kilohertz if you prefer. But um, so anything above that frequency, you just you don't you don't hear it. But younger people could still hear that. And in general, human beings don't like high pitched noises. They tend to irritate us, um, which is, you know, why. Chris likes to drown me out, I guess. Uh, I'm sorry, were you saying something? At any rate, so that's how that really works, is that as we age, we just naturally begin to lose that ability. And some of us lose it more slowly than others. So you may find someone who's 32 who can hear the same thing that a 16-year-old can hear, or you may find a, you know, a 14-year-old kid who can't hear anything at all from that particular range. Um, it's very subjective. There are no hard and fast rules. But in general, if you're talking about big numbers, that's kind of how it works. So thanks for writing in, Chase. If any of you have any questions, concerns, criticisms, suggestions for episodes, you can write us, tech stuff at HowStuffWorks.com. Remember, we have a live show every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find that if you go to the blogs uh, uh, over at HowStuffWorks.com. And Crispy and I will talk to you again. Hopefully, I will be talking without a raspy voice really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? 
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.